The information provided by Munro Partners is for educational purposes only and is not intended to include or constitute financial product advice. You should obtain independent advice from an Australian Financial Services licensee before making any investment decision. Hello and welcome to the Invest in the Journey podcast by Munro Partners. My name is Taylor Bree Casey and I'm the Communications Manager here at Munro. While the back end of the year often means spring carnival and festive season, for us, it means Sewn Hearts and Minds time. While we're avid supporters of the Sewn Hearts and Minds conference, we have participated four years in a row and the 2022 event is only a few weeks away. As such, I am joined by our CIO, Nick Griffin, and dialing in, we have the Head of Marketing and Operations at Hearts and Minds, Maggie O'Neill. Hello and welcome both. How are you? Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Maggie, can we just dive right into it? Can you explain the background of the conference um, and how did it get started? Yeah, absolutely. So Hearts and Minds is a one-day annual conference that brings together leading fund managers who pitch their single highest conviction idea in just eight minutes. And we also have global thought leaders. We've got panels. We've got entertainers. We have a couple of scientists. uh, And all of that is to raise money for medical research. Uh, And we also have a listed investment company that's called Hearts and Minds Investments, ticker HM1. And that invests in the ideas from the conference and really expands on the concept of the conference, which I'm sure we'll go into later. In terms of how it all got started, I mean, taking you back to 2016, um, the board of Victor Cheng, uh, they were trying to think of new ways to raise money for the Institute. And it was really a way to flip the script on the traditional fundraiser gala dinners And Gary Weiss, one of the directors of Victor Chang and and also a co-founder of the conference, he heads over to New York every year. It's called his annual pilgrimage to So New York, Uh, you know, and he heads over, loves the event. And um, I guess he sort of was just like, well, why can't we do that here? We've got the networks. We've got an amazing community here in Australia. Why don't we tap into that and really put on a show and and do all of that in the name of medical research? And so Gary Weiss, Matthew Grounds, Guy Fowler, they co-founded the event. And yeah, as I said, it's this one day event that brings together leading minds to pitch an idea for medical research. Um, And so medical research really underpins everything about hearts and minds and and the impact it has is just tremendous. And, um, you know, I think something that I'm really quite proud of that I just sort of want to say off the top is, you know, since we started, uh, we've donated $40 million to medical research. It's incredible. And that's sort of money that didn't exist seven years ago. Like the, the vision of this thing of hearts and minds, the, the win-win model of it where everything is sort of, you know, just helps each other and it's quite a symbiotic relationship. Everyone's sort of getting, feeling good being involved. It's just a phenomenal vision, a tremendous concept, and it's now proven to, to have a really meaningful impact. Can you maybe tell us a few of the beneficiaries that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's sort of how the name came about, actually. So Hearts and Minds, it's sort of the Hearts and Minds. So back in when we started, we'll we're um, supporting the Black Dog Institute met with, who looks after mental health across the lifespan uh, and then Victor Chang who studies um, cardiac disease uh, and that's we've now really broadened that out to a lot of different research areas so we still support the Black Dog and Victor Chang uh, but we've also got lots of um, res- um, institutes that are focused on neurodegenerative diseases we've got um, emergency and trauma care um, we've got pain management, we've got diabetes, uh, cerebral palsy, and the list goes on. I think there's about 16 all up now. Um, And this year heading to Hobart, we're supporting a local institute there, the Menzies Institute for Medical Research. uh, And they do some, yeah, really interesting work too uh, across many different disease areas. And what about you personally, Maggie? How did you get involved? 
Yeah, I mean, that's really a, a right time, right place story, I think. I um, was at UBS at the time in 2016 when it all started. Uh, I was working within the CEO's office uh, and I could hear this buzz, sort of this idea being discussed, you know, this could it be done? What's involved? You know, and I don't know, that really excited me. And I suppose I was young and I was eager to learn and, and had the enthusiasm. And so I just put my hand up and said, hey, how can I help? What can I do? What needs doing? Uh, let's figure it out. And that's really how I got started. And I don't think that attitude's really ever stopped. Um, so helped in that first conference, helped delivered it. We, none of us really knew what was what to expect or none of us had really been in the event space before. And so, you know, delivering an event at the Opera House, no less, it was a baptism by fire and we're all just sort of pitching in and figuring it out. And it was just an absolutely tremendous experience to be involved with. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, when I kind of think back to it, it's like, how did it all happen? But um, it did and it was successful. We sold it out. Um, and we raised, you know, $4 million in that first year. And I guess I just got the bug. I really, I loved the vision. I loved what we were doing. I loved what I was learning. It was at the steepest learning curve I think I've ever been involved with. Um, and then in 2018, when we listed the investment company, Hearts and Minds Investments, they, I was asked to come across and officially join Hearts and Minds as an employee. So I was employee number two. Um, and so my role now is officially head of marketing and operations, and I, I'm still heavily involved in delivering the conference as well. So wear many hats and I, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah. And I think one of my favorite parts, not that that was really a question, but one thing that I just love that I get to do as part of this role is just working with the brilliant minds involved because there's so many people, like I'm talking, you know, hundreds of people. Like when you think about the speakers, their teams, our service partners, the beneficiaries, there are so many people that are just putting their hands up, similar to me, trying to figure it out, offer their help, their skill set, their time, all for a good cause. And it's just tremendous, this coming together and the, the impact we're generating and the money that we're raising. It's just, it's fantastic. It's really cool. I bet you've met some pretty amazing people along the way. Yeah, certainly got some stories. <laughs> Maybe not all for a podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a different episode. <laughs> Nick, maybe turning to you, uh, can you maybe explain your evolution with the conference? How did you get involved? Yeah, so we got invited in 2018 um, because one of the the Son Hearts and Minds decided to come to Melbourne um, and they decided to come to Melbourne and do um, a concert hall and, and we're a Melbourne manager, so we got invited as a Melbourne manager. And so that's we were quite small at the time, but it was to put a bit of Melbourne flavour on the conference and that was our that was our first interaction with the team at SON. And why, why did you say yes? Um, why did we say yes? Um, look, from our point of view, you know, obviously the medical research side of it is incredibly important and and, and, and Maggie talked about that. Uh, but, but initially we said yes because, you know, we wanted the profile, quite frankly, um, if we're honest. The profile, we were quite a small manager at the time. Um, but then as we got to know the team and we got involved, um, that was around the time they launched the fund and – the fund, I thought, was a bit of a game changer for them because, as because um, you know, Matt Grounds and Guy Fowler, you know, they they had background in ECM at UBS and they knew they could raise the money. Similar to I think Maggie's story as to how they started the conference. And so once once they raised the money, it just made it a lot and made it much much different for me at least, or at least for us, because the stock you had to pick, you know, you had to do well. You know, it wasn't just like let's just have a crack at something and try and get my profile up. This is like let's actually pick a stock that's actually going to make money for the fund and if the fund does well that that's going to mean more management fees for the causes that these guys are supporting and so that was I suppose a game changer for us it definitely made us think a lot harder about the stock we pitched in 2018 which in the end was Amazon which I think was a safer bet at the time because we were just worried we just couldn't bear the thought of losing money for all these charities quite frankly and and, and since then just got more and more involved and more, more involved um, and more 
yeah, more, more, more passionate about the whole thing. Sounds great. And we've got another year ahead of us. Yeah, so since then, obviously, we picked an okay stock in the first year and then we, we got invited back to Sydney and picked a better stock. I think we picked the trade desk in, 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 in 2019 and then got invited back again and for the, for, the, um, for the COVID years or for the virtual years, Maggie, which I'm sure were a lot of fun. Uh, and we just kept, you know, wanting to make sure we picked the good stock for the fund because we wanted the fund to do well for the, for the, for the charity involved. So we kept managing to pick good stocks and we kept managing to get invited back. And, uh, and more importantly, I think, as Maggie said, you know, we got to know all the people in the team. Got, we all have a lot of fun, quite frankly, on the day. Like it's a bit nerve-wracking, but it is a lot of fun. I think the last thing they say to you just before you walk out in front of an audience of a 1,000 of your peers that you're basically scared, witless of, it's just relax and enjoy yourself, which is like the last thing you're going to do. No but, but, but that's what they say. And um, But it is. It's good fun and it's a good group and we've just got more involved and, and, and much more involved in the process. So it's been really good for us as well as a business. And I think that's the, the virtuous circle that, that Maggie talks about. So it is a fund and, and the stocks do get put together into a portfolio. Maggie, can you maybe explain how the, the portfolio is constructed? Um, and do there, does each stock have to stay within the portfolio for 12 months? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, I think zooming out just a little bit, and Nick did touch on it a little there, uh, just around what Hearts and Minds Investments is. So it's a high conviction, long only equities portfolio. And it was really established to actually meet demand from investors or attendees going to the conference each year. So in those early years, fundies were getting up, we'd kind of have 10 to 15 high conviction stocks pitched, quite actionable ideas. Uh, And, you know, after year one, year two, the performance was really, you know, it was quite impressive. And so there was lots of questions around, hey, how can we, get access to all of these ideas. A lot of the uh, sort of offshore names, harder to hold. And so that's really what sparked the idea for the, the lick. Um, and that's how that started. So it was really something that allowed people to get access to these high conviction ideas. But it also allowed us to sort of expand on that mission of raising money for medical research. So all of the fund managers involved are pro bono. And that allows us to donate, I guess, in lieu of a management fee, donate one and a half percent of NTA to medical research, which is significant. Um, not only in its size, because we're talking sort of $10, $15 million a year, depending on performance, but it's also a, a sort of a, a, um, a stream of income to the medical research beneficiaries, which allows them to have better planning and undertake, you know, quite big projects, multi-year projects, like research is a long-term game. And so it's really helped on that front too. In terms of the portfolio and your question around how it's constructed, so we've really got two components. We've got what we call our conference portfolio, and that's what invests in the ideas that are pitched at the conference. Um, and so that is replaced each year with the new batch of ideas pitched at the conference. So, yes, there's a maximum t- holding period of 12 months, but we certainly don't have to hold it for those 12 months. So identifying a stock that's got a catalyst for that next 12 months is incredibly difficult. Like, absolutely, hats off to you, Nick, that gets up each year and tries to uncover that. Because as you've just touched on, like, the better that performs, the bigger the donation to our charity. So it's an incredibly you know, high-pressure environment. Um, but, you know, things change. There's a lot of volatility. 12 months is a very short amount of time, so anything can happen. So something might play out quickly or much earlier than we thought. Um, other times things might just mean that it's not going to happen in that 12 months and so we're better to sort of cut our losses early. And so all of that is possible, but 12 months is certainly the, the maximum term. And then the other part of the portfolio is what we call our core portfolio. And so that's run um, by our six core fund managers and each of those recommend their three highest conviction ideas. Uh, and there's no set time horizon on those. So these tend to be a much longer investment period. So who manages the, the conference portfolio? Is there an investment team? Yeah, so the whole vehicle is overseen by our investment committee and that's chaired by David Wright. 
Uh, but on a day-to-day, uh, we've got our chief investment officer, Rory Lucas, and so he manages sort of the day-to-day changes or management of the fund. And he's in constant conversation and dialogue with our fund managers. And as I said, sort of discussing market changes and impacts to the conviction on the stock and, yeah. And, and I can attest to that. Rory does call at least multiple times a year and we discuss the position multiple times a year. Yeah, fantastic. And so, Nick, you have mentioned that you pitched Amazon in your first year. Can you maybe talk us through the different stocks that you've pitched over the years and why you picked each stock? Okay, yeah. Um, so from my point of view, look, that very first year was the, the first year of the fund and we actually changed our pick. So we were going to pick something riskier. And then we just thought that just, as I said, the thought of losing money for the charities just didn't wash well with me. So we picked a safer pick, which is Amazon, which was the biggest stock in our fund at the time. Um, and it did very well. Um, the second year we thought, you know, that we we could take some more risk um, and, you know, we the, 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 we wanted to pick something more emerging for investors um, and we thought it was an interesting time and it was the Opera House year as well. So it was this is, this is our chance to do something big at the Opera House and so we, we pitched the Trade Desk, um, which which ended up, I think, coming second that year and, and you know, it's a digital advertising business and um, and I think the video, the, both those videos still hold the test of time. I mean, both those stories we still like today. Um Third year was HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh was a bit of a pandemic hit. I think everybody pitched a pandemic hit the third year. Uh, <laughs> sorry, which one? Yeah, which I did from my kitchen, correct. Um, and, you know, it's full of dad jokes if you go back and look at it. Um, very on brand, doing it in the kitchen. Doing it in the kitchen, yep. There was, there was a HelloFresh box behind me, which I think JP said was an Easter egg in the video. Um, so that was my first time I heard about Easter eggs. Um, but you're dealing with different people, right? Um, <laughs> HelloFresh did well um, and, and has since obviously gone backwards post the pandemic. And then last year we picked OnSemi. Um, and OnSemi we very deliberately chose uh, – I know it's a semiconductor stock, but it's more a climate play. We deliberately didn't choose a tech stock. Um, we, we felt that tech was a bit overvalued and overcrowded um, and we did notice everyone else picked a tech stock pretty much um, except for us. But we deliberately wanted to pick a climate play because we felt that decarbonisation was the next big agenda and that decarbonisation was going to structurally accelerate through through 2022 and – if I could go back and have my time again, the last thing I'd pick is a semiconductor stock, quite frankly, going into a recession. Uh, but in the end, it did well because the earnings upgrades came through, the stock did well, um, we've made money out of it and, and, and actually in one of those conversations that, that um, Maggie talked about, Rory and I discussed this a month ago and we've actually sold it back in September for the fund at a, at a positive return, which is a, which is a good result in a tough year like 2022. And so how far in advance do you start thinking about which stock you're going to pick? Um. Yeah, usually a couple of months in advance, two or three months. I mean, obviously we have a portfolio, Kylo, so in the fund. So we have our best 30 to 50 ideas in the fund already. So it's just a matter of picking which one of those is going to work on the next 12 months. So we already, we've already picked the stocks for the fund. It's just about, you know, trying to pick which child is your favourite, which is, which is much harder. I feel like we start spitballing ideas, yeah, weeks in advance. Yeah, we do. But, um, you know, and, and that's where the 12-month thing really comes into play and it, it just makes it much harder. To, to get that 12-month window, to get that 12-month catalyst and then obviously to to not have some sort of catastrophic blow-up um, that, that's obviously going to cost the fund um, is, is the other thing we think about a lot. Maggie, the conference has had some pretty high-profile speakers over the years. Um, you've had the, the likes of Bill Ackman and Charlie Munger. Can you tell us how maybe you've come across these speakers and how you've been able to get them at the conference? Yeah, we've we've been incredibly fortunate to have such big names lend their time and their expertise and their insights to hearts and minds. 
Uh, and it's really ultimately a testament to the network that we've we've got. Um, and as I sort of said, sort of the Australian funds management community in particular, but now increasingly globally, just people putting up their hand to help, leaning on their mates, volunteering them up for the stage. You know, it's it's really become quite a flywheel effect the bigger that we've grown. And I don't think any of that's possible without the, the that first year program of people getting up and sort of helping prove the concept that it is actually it's doable, it's impactful, it's you know it's it's it works. And hey, these guys can actually put an event on because <laughs> there was a lot of question marks on that in year one too. So um, you know we've certainly proven ourselves. We've established a, quite a bit of momentum and awareness. And so yeah, it's really just the network. And I think the other thing too, I sort of touched on that we've partnered with the So New York conference, and so that's held in ten cities around the world and we're the official Australian arm of that. But we can sort of tap into that broader global network and, and the name and Sone itself is quite recognisable. So that certainly helps with those offshore names as well. All right. I've got a bit of a different question for you both now. So Netflix has a documentary called Seven Days Out. And so it is exactly that. It is uh, different large scale events and the preparation that goes into them um, the week before Question for both of you, what does your prep look like the seven days prior to the conference? Maybe, Nick, you can start us off. Uh, yeah, so mine, mine's pretty simple. I mean, the presentation's normally done by then. It's just whether you're going to go with a script or whether you're going to try and ad-lib it. Um, the hardest thing about the pitch is the eight minutes, to be honest. Um, you know, most people can tell a good story, but to try and get it down to eight minutes is really hard. And so generally you end up having to script it, and, and so I'm generally just trying to get it down to eight minutes and script it and keep it as simple and easy possible that's that's what the last week's about and it's actually the hardest bit to be honest is that eight minutes Maggie I imagine your seven days out looks a bit different <laughs> a little bit a little bit I mean firstly thank you for the Netflix recommendation surprisingly <laughs> heard of the show let alone watched it but I imagine you know it sort of documents I guess an element of organized chaos or just chaos in general and that certainly can be how it feels it's a never-ending sort of to-do list and lots of last minute things but um, you've kind of got all your administrative and production tasks that I won't really bore you with, but that's things like clipping lanyards and last minute ticket name changes and all of that. Then there's lots of briefings. So we have, we're run on volunteers. Everyone sort of puts up their hand and helps out. And so that'll happen sort of the week out with sort of letting them know how everything's going to run. Um, you know, this year we're down in Hobart, so chatting with the venues and making sure they're well, ready to welcome the 600 people we've got flying in. Uh, but my key role or the bit that I focus most of my time on is working with all of the speakers. And so as Nick said, as I've said, there's a lot of pressure on them picking the right stock and getting up on stage and sticking to that eight minutes. And so my job is just making sure that they're as ready as possible. I've got their presentations. Everything's going to run smoothly on the tech front. Um, you know, things change. Stocks changed that last week. So it's a real all hands on deck to make sure that we're actually ready to go on that Friday. So, yeah, lots going on. Wearing lots of hats. It's good fun. Sounds like a, a, a logistical puzzle. Yeah, but look, I love it. I, I thrive in that environment. And I, I just, as I said, that's the time I get to work with all of the, the best minds, right? And um, yeah, it's just good fun. So with most of our episodes, we sign off by asking our guests uh, what their favourite stock in the portfolio is. Maggie, no pressure with Nick sitting right here, but out of all the stocks that have been pitched throughout the years, what has been your favourite? Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, Nick said, you know, it's hard to pick a favourite. Uh, and, you know, I've certainly, I certainly feel the same. Um, I think I should preface this by saying I'm not an investment, I'm not an investment guy. I don't wear that hat. But one thing I really love about these conferences is that it really, that eight minutes, it really flips the script on how fund managers have to pitch their idea and how they communicate the story. 
And so I, what I am going to kind of answer this from is much more like what are the, the, the stories that have been most compelling or most memorable? Um, and so the first one that comes to mind, I think year one, let's go right back to the start, was Leah Zell over from the States. She walks on stage and just says, who's ready to travel? Let's I'm going to take you on a magic carpet ride to Turkey. And then she, you know, went on to introduce us to a company that I don't think anyone had ever heard of. It was a, you know, local mum and dad retailer that was just shaking it up in Turkey. Um, and that was just, you know, on hidden gems that you're just discovering. Fast forward a couple of years, but back gets up and pitches DocuSign. And it was right after it listed. I mean, I'd never heard of it before. I'd never used an e-signature software before. And somehow in, in Babak's presentation, I mean, he continues to do this, but he makes SaaS companies sound sexy and it's just a no-brainer, right? And, you know, we now use DocuSign. It underpins a lot of our systems. And so, again, just sort of a no-brainer um, and helps with hindsight, but also performed incredibly well. Uh, and then I think a third one, I mean, I, and this is not because Nick's on the line by any stretch because, you know, Nick has many, many superpowers, but one of them really is being able to tell a good story, right? He's an absolute phenomenal storyteller, Nick. You are indeed. And one of my favourites was actually Trade Desk, which you've already touched on, but how you make a programmatic advertising software company sound interesting and compelling. I mean, hats off to you. And I had just finished watching Mad Men for the first time and you just had walked on to the theme song, Don Draper was big on screen and, you know, you just continue to tell that story. And, um, yeah, so those, I think, were the top three that came to mind when you when you asked that question. We still but, we still talk about that uh, Don, Draper, Don Draper picture all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really nervous for that one. I was really nervous. You know, you've got yeah. Ray Dalio and all these people in the room, you're nervous. Yeah. <laughs> and the Opera House too. I mean, that's quite the, the, op- the Opera House was nervous. <laughs> I was nervous for that one. So, Nick, you're not off the hook. Can you give us a little hint of what you might be pitching this year? Hints only. Hints only, one. Hints only yes. Yeah, so the hint I'll give you is, is actually just what Maggie referred to. Yeah, the hardest bit is the eight minutes and the hardest bit is if you're trying to explain something complicated and then take people on the story with you. Um, and this year I'm taking on something really, really, really complicated. So hopefully the story will um, will, uh, will will make will take people on the ride. But I know, and I agree with Maggie. Having you get to watch the other people's presentations when they're and people just do a really good job. I mean, people, and it's testament to the team and so on. They 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 do work really hard with you, but they they force you to put in an effort, and uh, and the, and people put in a really big effort. And and some of my peers have done some of the most amazing presentations I've seen, and, and it, it does just pile the pressure on. But the hardest bit is explaining something complicated in eight minutes, and this year. Unfortunately, it's going to be complicated again. We've been practising and I, I, I think it's there. Hopefully. <laughs> well, thank you both. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time and uh, obviously everyone is very, very excited for the conference. But thank you. Thank you, Nick, for your con- like five years running and you're still here doing it and putting in all the time and effort and the whole team at Munro. Like it's phenomenal that I get to work with you each year and uh, we really are so grateful for the efforts you put in. No, the feeling's mutual, and thank you very much for all your support over the years. And um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, and I, as I say every year, I'm going to retire this year. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm not going to hold you to it. <laughs> that wraps up today's episode. There's still time to purchase tickets and support this wonderful cause. To do so, please head to www.sonheartsandminds.com.au. 